The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Welcome back to this uh, second part of this episode of Gospel Shaped Home. I'm Andy Owens, pastor of Family Discipleship, and uh, here on part two, you can hear the rest of Brian and I's conversation with David and Kathy Henry talking about chapter four of Dave Harvey's book, I Still Do, The Moment of Weakness, where we talked about God's wisdom and kindness in giving us thorns to expose our dependence on him, our need for him. And um, in this second half, you can really, you're going to get to hear a lot from David and Kathy, just of uh, kind of their own testimony of how they've seen these truths at work in their lives and marriage. So uh, it was super encouraging to me to have the conversation with them, and I hope that you will be encouraged by it as well. So thanks for joining, and Lord bless. So he um, he talks about uh, kind of at the end some of the application points, um, right? Thorns change our boast, and they connect us to power. Um he talks about two types of power, uh, the power to stoop and the power of satisfaction. Can you guys expound on that for just a little bit? What's that mean by the power of, to stoop? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, well, so in, uh, in, in layman's terms, uh, humility, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Wait, just, didn't we talk about this last time? Yeah, every time. <laughs> Maybe the Lord is trying to teach us something. <laughs> but uh, but the but the power to stoop is really that, just to realize that our strength comes in um, in the reality that we are insufficient, that we're humbled by that, and uh, then ultimately he says with the um, with the power of satisfaction that it's really an issue of contentment. Um, and I love, I mean, he says he he goes back to the story that uh, Kathy kind of hit on the parable that he tells in the beginning. Uh, but in that, he, he says of this couple that they begin to see in, in relation to contentment, they begin to see that their circumstances don't need to change in order for them to be satisfied in life. Mm-hmm. Like that's, um, I, I, I think that's one of the, one of the things that it's the most difficult for me to wrap my head around, but the most comforting for me to realize in the context of this idea of contentment is that, um, the Lord likely, well, that's not a fair statement. Our circumstance in life may not change, but that does not rob us of the ability to be satisfied. We, yeah, yeah, we see a need for change in order for us to feel satisfied, change in our spouse, change in our circumstances, change in our employment, change in the obedience of our kids. Like all of that stuff is, is, and, uh, and just to be clear, you said change in our spouse, like our hearts can do, they can like, I want my spouse to change or I want a new spouse. Right. Like, mm-hmm. It can go, it can, it go, can go either, way. either direction. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, and what God says is I will teach you to be satisfied. That's, glorious and to peace yeah and to see and he makes a distinction of instead of focusing on what we you know what he's withheld but focusing on what he's given with gratitude and recognition of his wisdom and kindness in given um the the circumstances that he has you know be able to say the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places yeah with psalm 16 (laughs) Okay, um, so we connect. There's just so much in this chapter. Um, we probably should do like 10 episodes on this chapter. Um, <laughs> it, you know, the way we connect to it is by faith in Christ. He kind of concludes the chapter like that, that Jesus is a faithful high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He gets it. He knows 
every temptation, every moment of weakness, and we can come to him in faith and receive grace to help in time of need. So what I want to do, though, is I would love to hear David and Kathy more from you guys of how you've seen this play out in your own lives, in your own marriage. Yeah. How, how have you seen these truths at work? You know, I think as, as Kathy was talking and as we've lived life, I think we've realized and and we were talking before we got on the start of the podcast about how maybe it's maybe we haven't used the term thorns, but that there have been hooks in our marriage relationship, we hook each other. And so I think my perfectionistic performance tendencies uh, and demandingness as a result of those have hooked. And, and it comes out how that manifests itself for Kathy. That doesn't help someone who's struggling with self-identity and insecurity, right? No. no. And I'm not Live sure, up to I'm my not sure self-identity. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't perceive Kathy that way, but it was sure. more from the standpoint of uh, the critical nature, how she experienced that in light of how she experienced her mom growing up and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think it it took a while. I think initially in our marriage relationship, she took it and I did, I did a lot of damage. And, but yet I think God started re- helping me realize that I was creating problems in my, with my perception of Kathy in that and my perfectionistic tendencies and and Kathy started pushing back in a in a good gracious way, and I started realizing I think in that that he pricks you, he pricks one of you, but we both bleed. That's right. one of the things right. Dave Harvey yeah. says. Like your yeah. weaknesses right. don't just affect you. That's they, right. Yeah. Right. And so I started recognizing that about myself, where that came, where that that aspect of myself came from. Some of it's masculinity, I think, but some of it also was my family of origin, things like that. And started processing on that. It drove me back to God, and I was humbled. In some way, in some time, in, in some situations, I was humiliated, you know, and, yeah. and, and, a, and, a, and so that was kind of a negative aspect of, of humility. But I think it drove me back to God. It created, it fostered a greater dependence on me, and it gave me the ability to see Kathy in a different light and to take into account her background, where she was coming from, and and um, to be much more gracious in that and realize I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. It's, it's my way is not always accurate and right, you know? And so, but it was a process and I'm still in process in that, in, in that whole area. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. And then you were perfect, yeah. right? No, no, no. But the, it didn't go away. The no. thing I think that I saw is that for me to graciously communicate to David through many, many ways of how this was affecting me, I had to let it go. I had to love him through that process. I could not change him, but it caused me to go back to the Lord and say, I'm going to pray. You are my sufficiency. You are my contentment. You are where I will be accepted 100%. And I just allowed David to, it's basically, I, I think every couple has a dance. They do. And when I realized if I stood still in who I was in Christ and loved him, that my weakness could be man- could be dealt with with the Lord, and I could allow David to deal with it with the Lord and the Lord to deal with him. And when I did that, it caused him to go, what's going on inside of me? Where is this coming from? So it really, it was a good gift. Mm-hmm. It was a good gift to me to have a mom like that cause me to grow deeper. Um, and then ultimately, I think it it caused David to kind of decide the dance has stopped. What is God? What are you trying to show me? 
you know, as a result, we're more unified than we've ever been. And we can talk about when those things deflect, because it still happens and I still respond and, um, but we're, we're not offended. We're not defeat, you know, we're able to come together and see it. I found that from a redemptive aspect of it, I think that God, uh, as we've shared our story, other other couples have Mm -hmm. seen how, I mean, they struggle with a lot of the same in, in a lot of the same ways. And so I think hopefully (laughs) that they see, um, a brighter future as a result of engaging with us and realizing there is hope for them. Yeah, there's real encouragement that comes from yeah. realizing, hey, we're not the only ones who are struggling mm-hmm. in this way. And, right. you know, I think, I mean, this chapter was very uh, applicable to me and, and my, I just feel like I, you know, he, he exposed me and in some ways, you know, I've been learning some of these things for the last uh, several years and some sometimes painful ways. But, you know, when I was a younger believer and um, really zealous and earnest, I think there was a lot of uh, kind of subtle thinking that the way to be an example is to always be an example of strength and success and of walking by faith. And uh, it's like, well, you know, Jesus is, uh, you know, kind of getting marginalized in that story. And I'm kind of becoming the center of it, if that's my view of of the Christian life and ministry. And, and you know, like you talked, brother, about those humiliating moments, like, you know, when you were bowed low, um, the way Dave Harvey says it in the chapter is, that's when you're getting closer and closer to Christ, is when you get bowed down further and further. And so, man, praise God for his grace in y'all's lives. Any Any other... Anything else you'd like to share along these lines? This is super helpful and encouraging. We could put in plug in for gentle and lowly and <laughs> go for it. And I just think, you know, it talks in here about this, you know, the, that's how, a book how, by Dane Ortland, yeah. gentle yeah, and lowly, yeah. how God um, sympathizes, how Jesus sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. And uh, he, he really in, in uh, one of the chapters in that book, Ortland really brings that, that point home, drives it home in terms of the reality that, you know, Jesus being the perfect high priest and how he's able to sympathize with us. And so uh, it really, in the book, he really draws out that dimension of the gospel in a very significant way, a very personal way. Yeah. And it really, it really gives you um, a different, kind of a different perspective, I think, on Christ's work and the significance of his work and the fact that he can identify with what we're going through. And that provides comfort. Amen. And then he moves to us yes. in our weakness. That's what I love. That's one of my favorite things he says in the book. He says, when Jesus, basically paraphrase, when, when Jesus saw brokenness, he instinctively moved mm-hmm. toward, toward it. it. Not recoiling Not away. Not mm-hmm. recoiling away. David, you mm-hmm. had a great statement, summary statement of the book. Um, you said before we started recording. Yeah. Remember. So. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we are, I think we already know that the gospel is already too good to be true, but I think Ortland's book helps us to realize that it, it helps us, it doubles down on that statement, the reality that the gospel is too good to be true. Yeah. It just opens up so many different uh, perspectives to help us to see how significant the gospel really is in our lives Yeah, and how pervasive it is. Yeah. So I would, and part of the reason I wanted to to go back to that humiliation and awareness of brokenness and need is, you know, and I think you guys are doing this in re-engage. I think it's probably why it's one of the reasons it's really helpful to people is, you know, my guess is that there are our brothers and sisters in our church who are afraid of 
this weakness being exposed, right? right? They're wanting to hide behind an illusion of strength and having it together and, but real healing and real joy and real contentment and real durable, enduring strength comes from acknowledging our need and our weakness mm-hmm. and connecting with the sufficiency of God's grace and God's power in our lives. And so when it comes to re-engaged, I'm guessing that you guys, the way you lead is you're pretty open about weakness mm-hmm. and yeah. need yeah, and much. yeah, vulnerability there. And yeah. we even shared this last night we, and, and we, we, we have this mantra that we use also in our life group is if you want people to bleed, in other words, if you want them to be authentic, real, Mm. vulnerable, transparent, then you've got a hemorrhage. And so that's been our MO uh, with their life group and also within uh, re-engaged. So modeling that, modeling that yeah. uh, and living that out in front of people. But then also last night, realizing that it, we had a re-engaged small group last night in our home and one couple, one, one wife in particular talking about how she feels compelled to project an image that she's good. Yeah. You know, that life is good and I'm good and everything's okay. And then she also admitted the She's fact that... She's dying inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A- but she also admitted to putting others within the church, people in leadership positions in, in, on a pedestal mm-hmm. as well. Oh, goodness. <laughs> God, help us. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but we kept talking about brokenness, you know, and that, that impacts everybody. So, yeah. um, anyway, it's just... Um, Thank you guys for being vulnerable. Yeah. It's so freeing when I think the older I get, the more I don't really care anymore. Hmm. I mean, I don't, it's just like, I have nothing to lose to be open and to share my weakness. And I have everything to gain. God is glorified there and people can move to me and to David in our marriage. And they then are freed as well. So to begin this process. So it's, it's just sort of, I don't know if that's part of gray hair or not. But <laughs> well, and I, I think this is at the heartbeat of what Paul said. We read, David, you read it at the beginning. For this, it, He says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness mm-hmm. so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Right. Yeah. And I appreciate your compliment a minute ago about being vulnerable, but uh, somebody that I respect in men's ministry comments that, you know, men really struggle with that term. Because it's a military term, right? right? Vulnerability. Yeah. And it's a negative vulnerable. thing. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, that means I'm open to attack, right? If I'm yeah. vulnerable. So we prefer term for men in particular, being real, transparent. Genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Genuine. Yeah. Authentic. Things like that. So anyway, nice. Little, little humor there. There you go. Well, again, grateful for you guys. Thank you for your service uh, in our church body. Uh, thank you for your service in the gospel uh, through crew. And uh, praise God for his grace in your lives. Um, thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to this episode. I hope that it's been encouraging to you. I hope that uh, you will, you'll boast all the more gladly about your weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon you. And I'll, I'll close this episode with some other words from second Corinthians in chapter one, where Paul, he tells uh, his readers, we don't want you to be unaware brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia, right? He wants them to know we suffered for the gospel for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So 
May God help us to rely on him this week uh, in all that we do. Thanks for joining. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast, produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.